Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, this is Miranda Wright, and this is day 16 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. Today's prayer mandate will be against the spirit of rebellion. We want to see our homes, our families, and our schools revived. We want to see our communities set on fire for God. We want to see the nation in revival. We want to see a generation revived in a way that it will last and bring legacy. But there is only one person who can truly do that. To have revival, we need the reviver. It cannot be done without the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that if the same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us, then surely we are able to mortify the flesh. That if God be for us, who can be against us? And that with our God, all things are possible. But in order to walk in humble cooperation with the Holy Spirit, we've got to put to rest this spirit of prideful rebellion. It is a spirit that has run rampant in this nation. It has been greatly encouraged. Many have been influenced by popular culture, by the media, and by hell itself. There is a great deception that incites men to rebellion. And the power of it is from hell itself. Children are encouraged to be rebellious against parents. The population is incited to be rebellious against authorities. And the conscience of men are put at ease while standing in rebellion against God himself. A rebellious heart is a heart that makes Satan glad, but it grieves the Holy Spirit to its core. The Bible says that it is better to obey than to sacrifice. That rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity. God himself spoke this phrase through the prophet Samuel. When Saul had been given clear instructions from the Lord, but Saul hearkened unto the voice of the people, so worried about what the people would think and would say, that he decided it'd be better to please the people than to please God, and he altered his course. But yet when the prophet Samuel came to him to confront him with this deviation from his steadfast stance for the Lord, and informed him that the Holy Spirit had been so grieved that the Holy Spirit was ready to depart from Saul, stripping him of his anointing, his promise, his calling, the very kingdom itself. The blood of sacrifices was used to cover sins, therefore it was equated with forgiveness. So when God said that obedience was better than sacrifice, what he was really saying is that it would be better to obey in the first place than to come back and ask for forgiveness after you did something that you knew was against my will. And then God does this very strange thing where he equates the rebellion to witchcraft. And we might ask ourselves why, but the truth of the matter is, is that we are all faced with a choice. We hear the voice of God and then we hear that other voice. And anytime we choose to willfully listen to that other voice telling us you can do it another way, we are choosing to be led of the enemy. We are consorting with the enemy, which equates to divination, which God equates to witchcraft. Now understand something. There's a difference in making a mistake and being in rebellion. God has great mercy and great patience in teaching his children. 
He wants us to know and to understand his will, his word, and his ways. And he will take his time getting us to that place of absolutely understanding what it is he is trying to say to us. But once we come to that place and we know that the Lord has spoken, we know his word, his will, and his way, but yet we choose to listen to the leading of another voice that tells us to do it another way, then we have gone astray. And God says that this is rebellion. And to him, being in rebellion is no different than being a witch because we are willfully consorting with and listening to the voice of another spirit that is not the Holy Spirit. God takes it very seriously. It is so grieving to his heart. And it continues to say that stubbornness is as iniquity. Because when the Lord brought the truth to Saul, he stood in his way. He tried to make excuses. He tried to justify his sin and his actions. Instead of humbling himself before the Lord and crying out in brokenness to say, God, I have sinned against you. Because of this sin, the Holy Spirit departs from Saul And God grants the kingdom to David to take his place. But in David's reign, he commits a sin also. Something that we may even seem to think would be much more grievous than Saul's sin. Yet God did not forgive Saul's sin, but he did forgive David's. And this makes no sense to our mind, but we have to understand the motive of the heart here. And when we do, we will understand a heart of true repentance and a heart of rebellion. You see, when God came to David and revealed to him the filthiness of his sin and how it grieved God's heart and brought reproach upon God's name because this man, David, who represented God and God's people to the sinful world had fallen into this sin. And when David saw that he had hurt God, it hurt him. David cried out in repentance because he didn't want to lose God. Saul only cried out in repentance because he didn't want to lose the kingdom. Saul never repented of sinning against God or hurting God or grieving God or bringing reproach upon God's name or not trusting God's wisdom, which he should have done all. Saul only repented when he realized that God was taking away the kingdom, when God was taking away the blessing, when God was taking away the anointing, when God was taking away his calling. He was not grieved as David was because he was losing God. He was being grieved because he was losing the kingdom. And therefore he stood in stubbornness and rebellion until he saw the consequences of it. And God counted as iniquity and did not accept his repentance. It was not genuine. It was not from the heart. It was not for the love of God. David's repentance, though his sin was grievous, was genuine. It was true. David didn't care about losing the kingdom. He didn't care about losing reputation. He he didn't care about losing his riches. He cared about losing God. He cried out, Oh, cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Because David knew it could be taken because he had seen it taken from Saul. And rebellion will cost you everything. It will cost you God's plan for your life, your destiny, your calling, your anointing, your purpose, your blessings, your protection from God. And it will cost you the most precious thing of all. It will cost you the presence of God himself. Because he resists the proud and he will not strive always with men. He will depart from those 
who stand in rebellion and worship. Scripture says not only does he depart from them, but then he sets himself against them. And this is not a place that anyone ever want to be. Isaiah 63.10 says, But they rebelled and vexed or grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy, and he fought against them. My heart grieves at the very thought of not being pleasing to the Lord. I could not even comprehend to come to the reality that I had set myself as his enemy. But this is what happened to Saul because of his rebellion and his stubbornness. Because he would not humble to the Lord's will. He ended up working against it. He ended up fighting against it. Because when he set himself to fight against David, he set himself to fight against God's will. Therefore, he set himself to fight against God. And no man that sets himself against God will ever win that fight. Rebellion did more then slowly strip everything good and godly from Saul. It literally opened him up to the enemy. It brought a curse. And it will do the same to anyone who stands in rebellion to God, whether it be a person, a people, or even an entire nation. Rebellion against God brings a curse. And a curse is judgment. Psalm 68 verse 6 says, God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. There are great influences of rebellion in our modern culture. We're bombarded daily with media that encourages it, with popular personalities that glorify it. It's something that we must strive to teach the next generation not to embrace because it will destroy them. So how do we counter a culture of rebellion which is rooted in pride? We counter it with a demonstration of humility. We choose to be an example of selfless love and absolute humility in every situation. We have to lead by example, church. We can talk all the talk that we want, but this generation is tired of talk. They need people who will demonstrate. They need someone to lead them, and they need someone to lead them by example. It's time we lay down our pride. We lay down our rebellious hearts. We cry out before the Lord and we say, God, give us your heart. We stand in faith in the power of your Holy Spirit to walk this life out as true Christians, having Christ himself as our very example, that we may break the bonds and the very curse of rebellion over the minds of this generation and those to come. Because it's dire because it's serious, because it's damning many to hell. Hebrews 10, 26 says, Remember, I said that we make mistakes and God has great mercy and compassion when we do not know and we do not understand. But when he brings us to that place of understanding, we can no longer claim ignorance. It is willful. And when we sin willfully, it is rebellion. Therefore, he says, if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice 
for sin. In other words, the sacrifice that was laid, the very life and blood of Jesus Christ to take away the sins of the world, it does not apply any longer to those who are sinning willfully after that they have received the knowledge of the truth by the words of Jesus Christ. It it says, there remaineth no longer a sacrifice for these sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment, 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 rebellion brings judgment. And if we want to see judgment stayed and revival come, we've got to take the word of God seriously, lay down our pride, lay down our rebellion, humble ourselves, repent, seek his face, seek his ways, cry out to him. But as long as we stand in willful rebellion to his word, he will not even so much as hear our prayer according to scripture. It says to those who sin willfully, there is a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Why adversaries? Because when you stand in rebellion, you make yourself an enemy of God. We read that earlier. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Listen to the severity of what is being said in this passage. He's saying that once you know what to do and do not do it, once you know the words of God, once you know what the Bible says, if you willfully continue in sin, it doesn't matter if you call him Lord, Lord, he said you you continued in iniquity and didn't do the will of his father. He tells us this in Matthew 7, and here he shows us the severity of how God sees it when a person knows what is sin, but yet willfully continues in it. It says, of how much sore punishment do you suppose that God will find a person worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of of God and counted the blood of his covenant, the blood of Jesus Christ, who gave us a covenant that gives us the ability to gain the Holy Spirit, that gives us the power to put the enemy under our feet and to walk in holiness and righteousness. But yet we counted it an unholy thing. We counted it not enough and we continued in our sin. And this is the part that's really important. It says the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. We're talking about somebody who was saved, somebody who was washed by the blood, somebody who was sanctified. He was under the blood covenant of Jesus Christ. And therefore he had the grace, the authority, the power to resist the devil, to put him under his feet and to say no to sin. But yet he willfully chose to continue in it. God takes this very seriously. It is rebellion. He says it is. it does despite unto the spirit of grace it is offensive and grieving to the Holy Spirit. And to that it continues to say, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. 
I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his. We're talking about people who were blood-bought believers that carried the name of Christ. To those, he says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Yes, rebellion resides in the heart of the unsaved, but this is a warning particularly to rebellion that would rise up in the heart of those who call themselves by his name. 1 John 3, 7 says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Church, we've got to start preaching the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Because there is an entire generation that has been incited unto rebellion against the living God. That have no knowledge of the truth. That have been told a lie and believed it. They think they can do no wrong. They think they can trample underfoot the name of Jesus Christ. That they can bring shame upon the name of the Spirit of Grace himself, which is the Holy Spirit of the living God. They claim the name, yet bring nothing but shame and reproach, because they do not do the will of the Father. And they're doing it because somebody told them that this is okay, when it is not. They need to know the truth. My friends, this is not okay, not according to the word of God. And it is this word that will judge us, not the opinions of men, not the desires of our own heart, not the lust of our flesh, not the gods of our own creations, but the word of the living God. In 1 John 3, 7, it says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. The seed representing the word of God, the truth remaineth in him. And he does not sin because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifested and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. You see, we often hear the phrase, we're all God's children. But in actuality, that's not truth. According to scripture, according to the very passage we just read, you are either a child of God or you are a child of the devil. Jesus, speaking to Pharisees and sinners, said, you are of your father, the devil. Jesus also said that those who are my brothers and sisters are those who do the will of my father, which is in heaven. God said, as many as are led by my spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. According to this scripture, if we choose to commit sin and stand in willful rebellion to the word and will of God, then we choose to be the sons and daughters of the devil. But if we will submit ourselves, if we will repent, if we will humble our hearts and cry out to the God of heaven, he will hear us. He will save us. He will raise us up into heavenly places and make us sons and daughters of the kingdom. He will make us his children, giving us authority and power and dominion and might. And then we have to use that power to stand in authority over the enemy, putting him in subjection under our feet. Paul said that I, even 
even I, after that I have preached to all of you, if I do not put my flesh into subjection, even I would be cast away. This is serious, dear hearts, and we've got to take it serious. We've got to preach it like it is and see souls saved. We want to see revival. It's only going to come by the word of God. It's only going to come by the spirit of God. It's only going to come by the truth of God. We've tried it every other way. It does not work. God has given us the way. We have to choose to walk in it. In Malachi chapter 2 verse 17 it says, Ye have wearied the Lord with your words. And you say, how have we wearied him? When you say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delighteth in them. Or where is the God of judgment? It wearies the heart of God. When people say that that which is sinful and evil is okay in the sight of God. It is not okay. It is rebellion. And it is deceptive to tell people that it is okay. It is witchcraft according to God. It brings them into a deception. Lord, help us to have humble hearts that are submissive to your will, your word, and your way. God, give us thankful hearts because a thankful heart is a guard against rebellion. A rebellious heart is a very ungrateful heart. It is a prideful heart. It is a self-centered heart. Humility and submission to the Lord is protection from the enemy. We need to walk in humility because humility and submission to the Lord is protection from the enemy, the judgment at hand and the wrath to come. But rebellion brings a curse. A curse is for the most part simply the removal of God's protection and therefore the enemy can rush in like a flood and overtake us. In Luke six forty six, Jesus himself said, why call ye me Lord, Lord? And yet you do not do the things which I say. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which buildeth a house and diggeth deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it. For it was founded upon the rock. Those who submitted to the will of God and did what he said. It brought protection against this judgment that is being illustrated by a flood. They were protected from the judgment, from the curse. They were protected by, from the flood because they submitted to the instruction of the Lord. However, it says he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. If we stand in rebellion to God's word, no matter how much people don't like it or how uncomfortable it is, we know the word of God is a two-edged sword. It cuts to the heart. It is uncomfortable 
It is unpleasant. We don't like to be circumcised of heart. We don't like to cut the flesh away, to cut the pride away, to cut the rebellion away, to cut the witchcraft away. We want to have control. We want to do it our way. But if we don't allow God to do his work, it is a work of protection because he is wise, because he knows what he is doing, because he is getting us to break agreement with an enemy that is about to rush in and overtake everyone. He's giving us an opportunity to choose his side, to get on the ark that we might be saved. He gives us this clear illustration that if we will but trust him, listen to what he says, do what he says, then when the flood comes, it will not shake us. But if we don't, our house will fall and great will be the fall of it. Church, we have to repent. We have to cry out for mercy and humble submission. And we have to take authority against this spirit of rebellion that is going to cause a many a house to fall. It's going to cause this very nation to fall. If those who call themselves by God's name don't fall on their knees first and cry out. We have to humble, repent, seek, listen, trust love be thankful be grateful remember that the servant is greater than all so serve god and serve others as though you are serving god by serving them and you will be counted as a friend of god or choose to rebel and make yourself an enemy of god but know that there is no more dangerous place to be than in opposition to god himself Those who oppose God are guaranteed to lose. They will see judgment. God, we come before you and we humble ourselves. We worship you in the beauty of your holiness. We worship you in the wisdom of your ways. We worship you, God, that your word is tried and true. It is a buckler. It is a shield. It is a guard. It is a protection. Lord, that your word is instruction in righteousness. And that when we stand in right standing with you, we stand in a place of protection. But when we stand in the statutes of our own ways, in rebellion, we stand against you. And Lord, when the enemy rushes in like a flood, we will have no protection against him, nor will we have protection against the judgment that comes by even your own hand to try the wicked. Lord, we repent and we come before you. We ask you for humble hearts. We ask you, Lord, to circumcise our hearts. We ask you, Lord, to show us if there be any stubbornness in us, any place that we are not willing to line up with you and your will. Lord, shine the light upon it now. Show us that we may lay that thing down. God, we lay down the fear of man because it was the fear of man that caused Saul to stand in rebellion to your word. He rather pleased the people than to please you. And for it, you stripped the promise from him. You stripped the kingdom from him. You stripped the anointing from him. You stripped your very Holy Spirit from him. Lord, let us never be found in that place. Oh God, let us humble ourselves before you and know and acknowledge that your ways are perfect and pure, that we need you to direct our path. God, if your word says don't do it, we choose to not do it because we recognize your wisdom. We recognize your sovereignty. We recognize your purity. 
We recognize your power. We recognize your deity, God. We recognize your love, God. We have faith in your love and that what you tell us is for our own good and for our protection, for our cleansing, for us to be able to be used by you, Lord. We don't ever want to grieve you, Lord. We want to serve you out of a heart of love, out of a heart of compassion, out of a heart of gratefulness for what you have done. God, we are thankful to you because there's no way we can be rebellious and thankful at the same time. God, we are truly thankful for who you are, for what you've done, for what you're doing and for what you're trying to do. Even when we don't understand it, God, we know that your way is perfect and that it is good and that it is for our good to give us an expected end. Lord, when you gave that Jeremiah 29, 11 promise and you said my plans for you are good to give you an expected end and not to harm you, Lord, that was just a precursor to letting them know that they were then going into bondage, that they had to be stripped of some things. That they had to come to that place of humility where they were willing to serve. They were going into Babylon to be stripped and to learn how to serve. And that when they came to the point that they were able to say that we have become prophets in Babylon, that even in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, they were willing to speak the word of God, the truth of God to a heathenistic people that didn't know God and didn't want to hear the truth. They were still willing to speak it at that point poured your favor and your grace upon them and brought them back into their own land. You gave them the promise. You gave them the victory. You gave it all back and more when they were willing to speak the truth of the Lord and humble themselves to serve the other. God, we want to be your humble servants because the greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of them all. Lord, we don't want to stand with hardened hearts and prideful rebellion. If you say it, we want to submit to it. If it's in your word, we want to hear it and be pierced by it. We want to be changed by it. And God, we stand with the authority of Christ against this spirit of rebellion that is encouraged in the culture, that is pushed upon the children, that is put in their face through every form of media. That is promoted by the idols of the land. That the social engineers encourage, Lord, that the children might take on this spirit of rebellion and damn their soul. That it might root into them pride and selfishness and arrogance and entitlement. Lord, that they be made an enemy of God. It is nothing less than Satan recruiting our children to be in the armies of hell because it literally says that those who stand in rebellion make themselves the enemy of God. And this enemy that rises up as a mighty army against God, against his word and his will, against his very truth, it is made up of our own children. So we claim them back in the name of Jesus. We take authority against against you, you evil, demonic, twisting spirit, you witchcraft, you perversion. You are canceled. Your power is cut off, null and void in the name of Jesus. We serve you notice that you are done and dealt with. We will not tolerate it anymore. We will stand as ambassadors of heaven. We will speak the truth. And more than that, we will be the truth. We will lead by example. We will show them a better way. We will walk in service and in humility. And we will cause a generation to rise up that sees something different 
So they want to be something different. It's time for the church to believe something different than what they've been told. It's time for them to believe what you have said. Lord, it's time for them to read your word for itself and to start walking in alignment with it and to stop rebelling against it. God, we call for a people who will not rebel against the truth of your word, but will walk in humble submission to it, that the power of heaven might be made manifest to prove the validity of what you have said, because your word is authority, because you are the authority, because you are the author of the book. Because all authority comes from the authority. Therefore, Lord, do we submit to those in authority. God, we do not rebel against our authorities, either spiritual or physical, Lord, but we pray for them. We lift them up before you. We show them a better way by our example. Lord, give us the heart of a servant. Give us the heart of Christ. We worship you, Lord, with our very lives. Your way is better. Your way is perfect. Your way doesn't always make sense to us, but that's why we take it by faith because we know who you are. Therefore, we know it will bring us to a place of perfection. You are perfect, Lord. And the only way we can walk in the perfection of your perfection is to submit ourselves to your instructions and to not rebel against them. Lord, your way is right. And we humble ourselves to it. Lord, there is none like you. God, we don't want to be rebellious children wandering aimlessly in the wilderness, going in circles. We want to get to the promise. God, we want to be protected from the flood. We want to be in right standing with you. We do not want to be shaken because God, we know that your word says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that only that which cannot be shaken will remain. And we also know from the scriptures we just read that the only ones that will not be shaken are those who have submitted themselves willfully to your words because your instructions have planted them in a safe place, in a strong place, in a sure place, but all else will be overtaken by the enemy when he rushes in like a flood and the very foundations will rumble and the house that they have built in their own logic, in their own knowledge will fall. Lord, when judgment falls, let us be found among the humble, among the righteous, among the obedient, among the selfless, among the faithful, among the believing. Let us be found on your side. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.